I've got uh, Mike Anastasia here with me, and we're going to talk about MLB. As a reminder, whenever we do things like this, this is not specific to any team. We're doing an overall MLB overview, and it's absolute blast because, you know, sometimes if we have our own specific Mike's, Mike is a Phillies fan, I'm a Braves fan, so sometimes we – get down this rabbit hole of only talking about our own teams. But like me, I'm really excited to talk to Mike because like me, he is an MLB fan first and a Phillies fan second. I'm an MLB fan first and a Braves fan second. So it's going to be a lot of fun to really hit some of the highlights of what's happening right now in MLB. It's kind of like a hard time right now because we've got this MLB lockout going on. So there's a lot of writer's blocks going on. But behind the scenes, there is a lot of stuff going on. And we're going to cover that and hopefully – we'll cover some things that maybe you don't know about. You know, we've been, we've been researching this stuff as time gone by, even though you might not have seen as much MLB content as you would have liked. It's because there hasn't been a lot of MLB content, but we're going to, we're going to get to it. So how's it going, Mike? Good. It's good to be here. Glad to finally get things going. Absolutely. So we, there's a lot of things going on. We got Joe West finally retired. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. The guy's been umpiring longer and I've been alive and pretty much yeah. has anything good to say about him. Uh, there's been allegations of him taking bribes from people like AJ Brzezinski. Whenever he goes into town, he would let him drive his car, uh, you know, to try to get good calls. What's your thoughts on the retirement? I, I guess it's uh, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm, I'm glad he's at, he's out of the game. I, uh, I've seen some horrendous uh, Joe West calls and at the time being a Phillies fan, just in general, watching the game baseball, seeing him um, make some absolutely atrocious calls. But I mean, he he's been in the league for so long. Uh, 5,460 games is a is a bit it's a bit bit up there, you know. So, I mean, it's I'm glad that he's out of the game. Got to get got to get, you know, the younger guys in. And uh, I I think um with the new technology now, we'll we'll have less of the uh, less of the struggle at home plate, you know, less uh, less bad calls. I'll say. I agree with that, and I do have to say I am I'm happy he's leaving the game, but at the same time, he's a big part of history, like you're saying. And so, best of luck to Joe West in his retirement. He's left his mark on the game, whether that's good or bad. He's been a huge part of it, and I think he deserves our respect for that. He's very old school, and so it it's a good thing that he's letting the new guys come in because the game is changing. But and and definitely, if you look at the umpire scorecards, you'll see that he uh, is going. He would stick to his guns with his old school calls, and that was not jiving well. But that's one of the fun things about baseball is the human aspect. I a lot of times get you know stuck down the the statistics line or the analytics and all that, and sometimes we forget that what makes pro sports so fun is that it's not a video game that it is. There are human elements. Absolutely. Always going to be human error, especially in the game of baseball. It's been, it's been like that for many years. Obviously, if you go back to the, I believe it was a 2013 world series between the Red Sox and Cardinals. I think, I think that Will Middlebrooks play at third base, if I'm not mistaken, was a complete, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was a play complete human error but i mean that's the game of baseball it's always been that way so it's it's good that they have it and uh i mean you know they they're trying to change the game slightly but it's it's difficult it's very difficult and it is delicate because mlb fans are notorious for sticking to quote-unquote traditions and i don't hate on that i love traditions but 
not all traditions or not change is not always bad as long as it is an improvement. You know, change is not always good, but if it's an improvement, it's good. Now, you have to test it out to see if it is an improvement, like the pitch clocks down in in the minor leagues and things yeah, like that. Yeah, pitch clocks, yeah. And I do have to say I've I've been to a few minor league games and just for what it's worth, I don't I did not see the pitch clocks affecting the game whatsoever. Okay. Pace of play just felt the same to you. It did. It felt exactly. Yeah. Now, it might be just because in the minor leagues, those guys aren't, you know, well established yet and they're not taking their sweet time like some guys do in major league baseball, but I I mean 25 seconds I think is what the clock was was plenty of time and not once did I see a pitcher look back at the clock or you know or get a ball added or whatever. However, I was watching a game, a few games that were probably in the second half of the season, so they're probably adjusted to it at that point. So there will be an adjustment. Right. But, yeah, and you you also have to have to think about like as far as like the players the players you know in the game right a pitcher takes his time right if he's facing a batter he's always taking his time maybe he wants to slow the batter down you know same thing with the batter maybe he's he's taking that extra second stepping out of the box if he can you know they all have their their little things that they do so you know i'm i'm sure the uh pitch clock is definitely definitely something that they think might slow down the game, but I don't know as from a player standpoint, I'm not sure if they would really appreciate it that much. I can't, I can't imagine they would, they would want that like a pitch clock to speed up the game. I do. Yeah. I don't foresee the actual players wanting a speed, uh, a clock. I, I would not be a fan of the clock myself just because I don't care how long the baseball game is. Right. That, that's not a thing for me, especially considering in, in, I get in arguments, I'm not arguments, I'll say a debate, because I don't really argue, I like debating, but, you know, like the diehard NFL fans, they talk about how boring baseball is, I'm like, you realize if you look at the amount of time that action is happening, there's more time spent of action in baseball than there is in the NFL, yet all we talk about is the pace of play in MLB, the games are shorter, there's more action per minute, yet why are we so stuck on MLB changing the pace of play, if anything, speed up NFL. Right. Yeah. And and also, I mean, I, I think a lot of baseball fans would agree that they they don't mind the the uh, the slow pace of play, because at the end of the day, it's it's a fair chance on even side. You know, if a game goes extra innings now, now with the new obviously the the role with the runner on second, that's that's sped up the extra innings. But we've seen, especially in the extra inning games, we've seen a lot of crazy things happen where teams just score runs, score runs, score runs. And it's just a back and forth can constant battle and it at some parts it has sped up the you know extra inning rule but i i actually enjoy that aspect if a game goes long more than nine innings that's just free baseball you know exactly i think it probably more has to do with the league wanting it to do something with uh, tv deals because they don't want they don't want games to go super long you know they're only getting so much money per commercial per game so if the game goes longer they're not making as much money. Right. And so yeah. I, I really think it comes down to the TV deals more than anything else. And that's on the owners, not the players. And and I, I what's interesting is we'll get we'll get into this with the lockout, but I'm really surprised that I haven't seen reports, many reports on things like that that are being negotiated. I don't know if it's just because it's an assumption already that it'll go away or what, but there has not been a lot of talk of rule changes in at least 
that that information has not been handed to the public. Maybe it's because they're more focused on other stuff right now and they'll get to it. But I am kind of shocked that it hasn't been brought up at all. Yeah, it is. Uh, I I guess it is quite concerning because we a few years ago, that was really the, the big discussion was the pace of play, the rule changes. And since this new um, this since the new collective bargaining agreement has has come, we I really haven't heard much about the pace of play. It's more it's much more of other things, but nothing about the pace of play. Right. And another one. Do we just assume that the DH is coming? Because not a single peep about a universal DH has been made. I mean, um, is it yeah. just because both they just assume both sides? But, you know, with the way the negotiations are going, I feel like the league or the Players Association, one of them, probably the league, is going to use that to their advantage and try to be like, oh, wait, 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 since you're not doing this, we're not going to use the universal DH. And so I'm getting more and more leery that it's not going to happen. Yeah, I I am for the universal DH. I think it's a I think it's a good idea um, as far as like extending players careers. Right. So like obviously if you're you're reaching that up that age, you're, you're probably more towards the American League because you obviously you're going to bat not going to not going to play the out outfield infield obviously not going to defend so i'm for the dh um you know there's that but that's oh, that's a big question this this year it's like is there going to be a universal dh a lot of teams are banking on it there's been um i'm i'll say this if the the, the agreement gets done in time and the dh is universal there's probably going to be a rush a very big rush for free at free agency a lot of players are going to sign probably because of that DH spot, their teams are probably going to want to get that spot filled because it's, it's, it's an extra spot, especially in the national league. That's huge. That'd be very huge. Right. And as far as being for it or against it, I got to say that I don't really have a strong stance on either side. And this is why. So I, I 110%, well, really you can only give a hundred percent for talking statistically, but I agree with what you're saying. And I think that that's a good point. However, on the flip side of it, is the personal side, the selfish side of me. And again, I'm not anti-universal DH by any means. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. The, the one thing that MLB has that's different than every other pro sport is that there is a difference between the two leagues. You know, in the M NBA, both, both the East and the West, they had the same rules. In the NFL, the AFC and the NFC, they had the exact same rules. Major League Baseball, it's the only major sport where the two leagues have something different. And it's just cool that it's unique. Does it? It's not that big of a deal. The other thing that concerns me, and I wonder how the union is going to handle this, because the union seems to be focusing heavily on people that have already made it to free agency, which other than the arbitration years, they want to get the players to free agency faster. That's their goal. But I, while the universal DH does prolong careers, what about the fringe players? Because if you bring in a universal DH on the National League, there's less reasons, there's less of a reason to have bench players. And those bench players are those fringe MLB players that bounce in between AAA and MLB that 
probably won't ever do that bouncing around. They'll just stick in the minor leagues and make minimum wage rather than making MLB minimum wage, which is tremendously more money. And uh, I, you know, I've talked to a few fringe players like that. I've been fortunate enough to talk to some of them on the podcast and stuff. And, uh, and that's one of the things they brought up is that's when the, the universal DH could be a bad thing for those guys. And uh, it's just something to consider when, when they do those no- negotiations. But again, I'm fine with either. I mean, really, truly, I'm fine with either. I think it will probably be necessary in a sense that after this lockout, MLB fans in today's society, they no longer are huge fans of pitching duels. People like me and you probably are, but younger fans love offense. So if you bring in the universal DH – you're going to bring in more offense. And so I feel like that might be necessary after this lockout and people being like hungry for baseball. Yeah. I, I have to agree with that point with the, uh, the utility players roles. Cause that's, that's a huge deal in the, uh, the national league. And, and in many parts it, the utility players are reasons why teams make it deep in playoffs, right? They make that deep playoff runs because of their, their deep bench they have. And that's a good point. If, they add the DH that really kind of takes away that role because now you're not only are you taking away a guy who can play, you know, gets to play every other day defensively, offensively, but you're pretty much when you add that DH spot in, there's going to be a guy who plays every day in that role, no matter what, if he's playing defense, offense, whatever, he's going to be in that role regardless. So you are, you definitely are taking a spot away from one of those guys. And I agree that the uniqueness of not having a DH in the National League is really is really something special because that's what really separates the AL from the NL, you know? And, yeah. and, and I really, I enjoy that. I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me if they changed it. I, I'm like, I said, I'm not opposed to it. I like the idea of it, but I won't, I'm not going to be, I'll be happy if they keep it the same. I will not be disappointed at all. I'd be perfectly fine. Yeah, I think so too. And again, I'm, I'm fine either way. And, but I do like, I'm just very, I love strategy. And the strategy of knowing that one, the National League is going to have to have more strategy with their pitching changes, which is really the hardest part of a manager's job. And then because things in today's world, analytics and the analytics team are going to tell you how to do your lineup and and what players to play when. On the flip side, the AO, whenever they play a National League team away, now they have this new element. Okay, do I play my guy that is typically offense only and hasn't been playing defense all year? Or do I take the boost in defense? What do I do here? And it's been really interesting to see over these past few years because very few teams in the American League have a one guy that plays DH. I mean, you have guys like J.D. Martinez and guys like that. But typically nowadays what they do is they just rotate guys into the DH slot to give players rest. There's yeah. a, a single DH guy. So is it going to be a di- – I mean, that whole strategy is just – it's fun to watch when they have to play a National League team away. Like, okay, what lineup are they going to throw and it, out there? And it's just fun to watch. But, again, if they if they take – if they give the universal DH, no complaints here. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I wonder um... – I wonder if spring trainings are completely different um, when you know you're not going to 
when you know as a pitcher, right, and you're in, you're in the American League, you know you're not going to be facing batters quite often. I wonder if you take BP that, you know, as much as someone would do if, you know, in the National League. I, I haven't – I have never looked into that, but that I, I'm curious to know if, like, if there's a slight difference, maybe, you know, depending I, – I know depending on what league you're in, but if you're in the American League, do you tone it back on the, on the hitting, whereas in the NL, you're kind of like pitchers got to hit maybe not every day, but maybe every other day, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of weird how that works. It is. And it makes you wonder like how it affects uh, their performance. And one thing for sure is that you got to consider when you look at pitchers careers too, is like if they spent most of their time in the national league, that's why ERA alone is not a good stat because if you're in the national league pitching, you're really only facing eight offensive players and you get pretty much a free out in the ninth with the yeah. where in the American league, the replacement for the pitcher is typically their best hitter, you know? Oh yeah. So like yeah. the guy, the guy hitting ninth now is a guy that is a glove first center fielder or something, you know, and like an indie Ender Enciarte type or something like that. And right. So, uh, it's just fun to watch, but back to uh, let's, go ahead and dig into this lockout. I mean, what, what are some things that stick out to you that are interesting or things that, that you've seen the union and the league fight against each other on? Yeah. I think the, the biggest thing that, um, that I see right now is, is probably the service time manipulation, I guess is, is really what's uh, interesting for me because I, I could see both sides of it and like up, as a fan, you want when you have a, a young player, you want to control them as long as possible, right? Mm-hmm. But as a player, you're saying to yourself, "Man, if only if I can hit free agency a little bit earlier, get paid, get the money, and you know, do you know, make things happen." Like I could see both sides, but it's t- this is a tough one because even if they do slightly alter it, I still think teams are going to manipulate their young players regardless of what they do. You know, they're regardless of how they change this rule or whatever they, they plan on doing, I feel like it's never going to, it's never going to stop the, the service time manipulation is always going to be a thing. They did it. Many teams have done it with several players. It's always going to, it's always going to be a problem for the young guys. But um, as a fan, I want that player for as long as possible, but I can, I can definitely see from a player's perspective, it's quite frustrating. Absolutely. I mean, Look at guys like Bryce Harper and Manny Machado because they were so young. They hit free agency so young that they got these massive deals. And quite honestly, with inflation, because they're so young, actually are going to end up being team friendly because they're so young over so many years. You know, what Bryce Harper is making right now seems like a lot of money, but eight years from now with inflation, it's not. But he was able to secure a massive payday not only because of his skill level, but because he was so young. And if you take a year of free agency, a year, if you take a year away that you have to wait to go to free agency, I mean, that's the difference between literally, especially if you're a top tier free agent, that's the difference of like 30 to $60 million for that mm. player. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's quite crazy. The numbers that um, Machado and Harper received that, that year, everyone was like freaking out, like, Oh my God, so much money. And then we fast forward to today. And it's like, there's guys like Corey Seager getting paid way more than that. And that's, that's a guy who hasn't been on the 
have barely has been on the field, you know, but it just, it just shows you like what they got paid at that time. It's quite, it seems quite reasonable now, you know, compared to what we see guys getting today, you know? Right. And it'll seem even more reasonable as the years go by, especially you guys. Right. I, I think Harper actually got a better, uh, got a more team friendly deal than, than the Padres did with Machado. Um, based on the the length, Harper took the guaranteed money. I would have done the same thing if I was him. But uh, back to that, it it is interesting. And back to the service time manipulation, the one thing also that really sticks out to me is that right now, the way that contracts, and I think this is good to bring up in the podcast because I've found out through uh, you you know the years of doing this that how contracts work is kind of not well known among most fans. And so I kind of wanted to touch on this a little bit is that the way that contracts work right now is unless you sign an extension or you sign a deal like Luis Robert did for the White Sox before he even became an MLB player is that you are under team control for six years. The first three years, you don't even hit the arbitration process yet. And you're making league minimum for the first three, first three years you're there. After that, unless you're a super two player, which I don't want to dig way too far into that rabbit hole is that the next three years you go through the arbitration process, which is the player and his agent says, this is how much money I think I'm worth. The team says, I think this is how much money you're worth. They can either agree or they can bring in an arbitrator and then the arbitrator decides how much they make. And generally they get a raise every year. They have to do that until they reach, they have to have six years of service time before they can reach free agency. Well, if you look at it statistically, this is what's crazy. Last year, or in 2019, which is the last time that they recorded this because 2020 was was a uh, short year, and then 2021, they haven't ran the numbers yet, is that 63% of all players in Major League Baseball have less than three years of service time. So they're all making league minimum, right? And then they accounted for about 59% of every inning played in Major League Baseball, yet they only take up less about 9.8% of the money that's given out in the league. So 60 over 60% of the players are only making less than 10% of the entire payroll of MLB. That is a problem. <laughs> yeah. That's a big problem. Especially if you're, if you're looking at other, uh, other athletes and other sports, seeing what they're making, you're like, wow, that's, that is an issue. I would be yeah. mad. And and it is funny because I see like, uh, you know, I'll see like NFL fans from the outside looking in. Like I actually had a guy say this to me like last week. He was like, I just don't like, why do ma- why do baseball players get such big contracts? And I'm like, Brian, not all, most players do not get those contracts. That's Absolutely like, not. Those, yeah. are, those are one-offs. Yeah. In, yeah. In, in, in the NFL, if you get drafted in the first round, you're guaranteed millions of dollars. Yeah. Isn't like that in Major League Baseball. You oh, yeah. Minor leagues making minimum, unless you sign a ma- big contract, you are probably making less than $15 an hour playing minor right. league baseball. And then right. you make the league minimum for three years before you're even eligible for arbitration. And then you have to go to arbitration for three years before you can finally hit free agency. So, and that. Yeah, and then that, so, that alone like that alone when you hit free agency you're not guaranteed like depending on how you've played thus far you're not guaranteed to get you know to get what you want most of the time you 
you know, you have an expected amount and some guys never get what they want. Teams are always low balling players. Obviously we've seen it several times, you know, and when players are making a lot of money, it's because they deserve to make this money. It's, it's money they've earned. It's not only money they've, they've earned, but it's what they can do for the future. You know, they're getting paid for what they did and what they're about to do. So that's why it's so much money. Right. And not to mention supply versus demand here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So really there's at any given time, there's 780 players in major league baseball on a 26 man roster. That means, and we all know that major league baseball is the strongest league in the world. People come from all over the world to play in MLB. Sure, Japan and KBO, they have great leagues, and they're fantastic to watch. In fact, uh, it's been kind of fun watching a little bit of the KBO stuff while MLB. Yeah. You know, but I uh, I actually – so during uh, during quarantine, I think, uh, I think baseball was pretty much locked out, but I was watching – early in the morning, I was watching some uh, KBO baseball. It was pretty, pretty entertaining. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it, it, they don't care, man. It, it's, it's just fun. It's like the they what MLB, a lot of the players in the MLB are trying to get to now with the, the hype and all that. KBO is already doing it. And, yeah. But uh, back to the 780 players, if you look at the economics of it all, they're the top 780 players. At, they're the don't we won't even use the word player here. They're the top, top 780 at what they do in the entire universe, in the entire world. So why shouldn't – and the money is being – the money is being generated. Like it's not, oh, well, if you paid the players so much, if you didn't have to pay the players so much, then the tickets wouldn't be so much. Hey, people are paying – it's supply versus demand here. People are paying it. The money's coming in. It's not like, oh, well, they need to shift it so that more people will show up. No, like this past year had more streaming numbers in, than ever. This last World Series had more streaming than any other uh, Major League Baseball year ever. I mean, uh, they're not lacking for money. Like the money is coming in. So it's, oh, either, yeah. it's either the owners getting the money or the players getting the money. So oh, it, it's definitely, yeah. Why don't owners we, are making their money. Right, right. It, it, it Ultimately, it is a business. Why not let the players get their money? And I get it, like, it can be ugly. And I think the issue is, I don't know, have you ever worked in a workplace where there's, where there's a union? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Right. Okay, cool. So you get it. Yeah. Um, you oh, get, yeah. Have you ever, like, had to been in any of the arbitration meetings or anything? Uh, I've never been in the meetings, but we're um we're always obviously briefed on what what's said in the meetings and what what the two sides want um and yet yeah, it's 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 always uh it's it's very crazy that you know what we're asking for is not too much it's not too much at all it's actually very reasonable but you never get it you'll never you never get it they never want to give it to you for some reason because right. money it's you know money maybe it's they're going to lose money or you're you're getting too much money or I guess you're not, you're not worth that much money. Who knows? But yeah, it's, it's not the, uh, the funnest of things to do. Right. And, and to me, that's, to me, I almost wish major league baseball did not make the stuff public because those meetings can be, they, they can stink sometimes, but 
they're important. Like the the in a like a like a organization in a union meeting, the union is paving the future for future employees. Whereas the company should be taking that into consideration, but also making it to where they can still be successful. But it does get ugly, and that there's a reason why the the only people that know this stuff in companies are the people that are in the company, because. Sometimes it does have to get ugly to for and and it's all about leverage and everything. I don't think that the average fan realizes that. Look, this is a business, and this happens all the time in other businesses. You just don't see it in Major League Baseball. It's public, so so we're seeing it. The impatient part of us feels like, hey, we're the ones that fund the league, and we want baseball now. And I get it. There's nothing wrong with that, but right. at the same time, like it's still a business and we got to realize like if this stuff doesn't get ironed out, the league could die. Yeah. It's got to get settled that it like right now, it seems horrible to think about a lockout, but it, it would be even, even more bad. It would be worse if we're sitting here, who knows how many years from now, you know, doing the same thing again. Like if they get it resolved now, it, it, you know, paves the way for the future and, we don't have this problem. You know, we, we're not going to be here, you know, on February 4th thinking like, oh my God, are we going to have spring training? Is the opening day going to be a thing? Uh, are there playoffs, the playoffs going to go beyond October, maybe into November, like shortened seasons? What are we going to do? Like, we wouldn't be sitting here thinking about this, right? So this, if it gets settled, once it gets settled, you know, for the future, we'll, we'll as fans and the players and even the, you know, owners can kind of sit back and relax somewhat, you know? and understand that there is an agreement in place and it's going to be here for a while. I agree. And, you know, we just got to be patient is all. And, and it does stink. I mean, there's no denying. I hate that we have to wait. I mean, it makes it extremely difficult to write and extremely difficult to produce podcasts. I can tell you that. So yes. I'm, I'm right along with everybody being frustrated, but I don't think we need to be those people that are, you know, complaining about greed and millionaires versus billionaires and all that first of all most of the players are not millionaires let's throw that out there but let's think about it if we were at work right and we felt like we weren't getting treated the way we should wouldn't wouldn't you fight for what you think is right absolutely yeah i, I would of course yeah they don't the average person and i can't even claim to know all the intricacies you know, like there's a lot of intricacies that have to be ironed out. And based on what I've read and stuff, what the league is proposing now is even worse than what it was previous to the CBA. So, of course, I mean, hmm. if, if we get to a point to where players don't want to play in MLB, there are other big leagues to go to. They can go to the KBO. They can go to the Nippon leagues in, ja in Japan. Like those are prevalent leagues that players are going to all the time. If, if they don't get this ironed out, MLB might not be the best league in the world anymore. Yeah. They, the, every, every day you see a tweet on Twitter by someone who's got the, the latest information It's always 10 times worse than it was before. Oh, Oh, this proposal was denied. It's, it's for further and further away. Now it's like, it's almost as if, you know, one side is, tweeting these you know these messages 
having everyone see this, maybe, maybe to kind of fool the players a little bit, maybe to, you know, have them shaking to get a deal done, but eventually deals will get done. I, I think as far as people, you know, as far as major league baseball dying, it's very possible, right? That's very, that's a very possible thing because the KBO does things right. They do it very right. They have a lot of great things they do all the time. Their all-star games are amazing. The skills competitions are amazing. So I don't know. That'd be a tough one, but I can't, I can't say if the MLB didn't get this done sooner than later, you could possibly see a shift. Very well could see a shift, especially if they start streaming other leagues on ESPN, you know, I could, I could very well see it. Right. And in today's world with the advanced technology of streaming and stuff like that, you don't have to go to a game to enjoy it. Yes. The game is more fun if you're there, but if streaming becomes the expectancy, then, you know, you're right. That's a very good point. We could be watching KBO or, or Japan or, you know, even down if, if there's very competitive leagues down in Central America, too, that we could be watching. Uh, college baseball. Yeah, college baseball, yeah. You know? And uh, it, to be honest with you, it's an absolute travesty that we, there's not more college baseball on TV. Yeah, but, I agree. So have you looked into any of the proposals for the draft? I have, I have not looked into the draft a little bit. Um, I haven't, I haven't seen much about that. Is there, is there something about the draft that that's being discussed? Something, a big change? Yes. And for the listeners, I did this on purpose because I want, I I did not discuss the draft ahead of time because I want to hear Mike's genuine answer here. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Good idea. That's a good call. (laughs) So, um, so here's the thing. MLB wants the MLB the league wants to implement a draft system. I mean, a lottery system. Okay, lottery. Okay. But listen to this. So, the first three picks would be part of the lottery. Only the first three. That's it. And the th- three teams with the worst record would have a fifteen percent chance of getting the first pick. The fourth worst record would have a twelve percent. Fifth worst record would have a 10% and so forth down all the teams that did not make the playoffs would, you know, gradually go down and have a percentage at those first three picks. But after the first three picks, it's based on record. And that's only the first three picks. It's not for the rest of the draft. It's only the first three picks. That's it. So, uh, and then the way that the, the players union wants to do it is they want they don't believe that that's enough to stop tank. The whole point of this draft thing is to try to prevent tanking. Right. right? Okay. Yeah. Prevent, prevent teams from just absolutely dogging it the whole year. Yes. The players union went to the other extreme. They don't think that the lottery will be enough. So they propose incentivizing winning. So rather than trying to give teams that, do bad, not a guaranteed spot, but incentivize not losing, but whatever. It's just a percentage, the 15%. They, the losing teams still have the biggest advantage. What what the, the players union has proposed is based on market size. So if, if you're a small market team like the Pirates, 
or the Rays. If you make the playoffs, then you're guaranteed a competitive A draft pick. And the way that works is in between rounds one and two, there's the competitive A draft pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you are a small market team and you make the playoffs, then you get a competitive A pick. If you are a small market team and you get over a 500 record, then you get a competitive B pick, which is in between rounds two and three. And then if you're a large market team, if you don't have a winning record, then you then you get penalized. I believe that they take away a draft pick or something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head. But so what's your thoughts on those? So I'll, I'm going to break this up just, just a little bit. So I'll start off with the, um, with the draft lottery. I, so I was never a fan of the, the lottery so-called randomized pick. Like you got your, your worst three teams, you know, one of them's going to get the first pick. You know, I always felt like um, if a team is not trying to tank, if they are literally just that bad of a team, right. Just really bad team. That team definitely deserves that that high round pick, but it's not. But here's the thing with the with the lottery, right? Who you pick at where you at where you pick them is not always the case, right? It's not always guaranteed, uh, you know, an MVP caliber player, right? You can literally pick at any spot at any given time and end up with a dud or a, a gem, right? We've seen it with many players, especially Trout, right? We've seen it with him plenty of times, right? Where Trout was not drafted number one. Right. But look at him. He's the best player in baseball. Right. So mm-hmm. with that in mind, I don't mind having the draft lottery. I think the the real issue is if you want teams to spend money, you have to, especially the larger market teams, you're going to have to raise the luxury tax. Right. Because the owners, especially for Phillies, um, the owners are afraid to go over the luxury tax. The past few years, he hasn't gone over the luxury luxury tax. And in my opinion, it's hurt the team um, on the field, especially the the past two years, because and come September, you know, they're right there in a playoff hunt and they lose seven of their last nine games or they're losing nine of the last 11 games. And perhaps if, you know, they would spend a little more money in free agency, you know, on guys and spend more money, maybe teams like the Phillies or teams like who knows, uh, you know, maybe the Yankees or like higher market teams wouldn't struggle so much towards the end. Like I, I said, the Yankees, although the Yankees have been in the playoffs a lot past years, but the the problem really is if you want teams to spend money, you're going to have to raise that luxury tax because owners are going to be afraid to go over that tax. If you want them to spend money, because some teams are right there, they're right at the top and there's penalties if you go over it. Right. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to really, really make a decision if you want, if you want these teams to spend money, you're going to have to move around a few things, right? I, I understand the whole draft thing. Maybe you lose a draft pick if you're a higher higher market team. But if you want these teams to spend money, maybe give them a little more wiggle room to work with, allow teams to spend without being penalized, and then you might see a change. You might see a, a shift. I, I think I think the, the draft pick should be randomized. I think it should be a draft lottery. You could do like maybe the top, the top, 10 worst teams, or you could do, it could be completely randomized up until teams that have made the playoffs. And then from there it's, it's in order of, you know, um, 
in, in order of how they, you know, managed to lose out. But yeah, I, I think this is a tricky, tricky, tricky subject because it, like I said, if you want teams to spend money, you got to give them a reason to spend money. And especially teams that are afraid to go over that tax limit, they're not going to spend that money. They're just not. Right. And I've always been a proponent of there not being a salary cap and there not being a salary floor because, and I, and this is a whole rabbit hole to go down, but ultimately what I'm getting at is I agree with you. And it is interesting to hear uh, someone that follows the Phillies talking about that. Cause to be honest, the Braves haven't been anywhere close to the luxury tax in my ever. And so it's, it's interesting to hear your perspective on that. And I agree. Um, and really in today's, for example, the Phillies, it's not just the off season where free agents come into play. Like during the trade deadline, you, if you're near the luxury tax. Oh, yeah, you, correct. Yeah. The trade deadline. Right. Like yeah. And that's the Braves, for example, went from the 13th, like the 12th or 13th largest payroll to a top 10 payroll after the trade deadline. If you're right there at the luxury tax, you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that also, that goes to show, right? Like certain teams drafting well, they, they produce good players that, you know, they're, they're showing these guys how to properly play the game of baseball through the system. Right. So that goes to show like the Atlanta Braves done a great job with that. Right. They got a lot of homegrown natural talent, whereas other markets, like I'll use the Yankees, for example, the Yankees do not have, I, I can't, I can't, recall anyone from the Yankees who is homegrown that is outstanding other than Aaron judge, right? Like maybe just Aaron judge. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't even mention Gary Sanchez in this topic because at one point he was considered maybe one of the best catchers, but not anymore. He's just not even in that category. So like for a team like the Yankees who, who do most of their, you know, they, they literally pay to win, right? They're going to pay players because they want to win games. Obviously it has not, resulted that way um but for like example the phillies they're a team that's like been on the brink of postseason play here and there right a few times they just can't get it done especially last year they couldn't get it done a few additions probably would have set them over the top right atlanta was down the dumps they do a few trades and they just took off right and the phillies sat there and did absolutely nothing because of the luxury tax. I'm not saying if they would have went over the luxury tax, maybe added some more players that they would have defeated, you know, won out the division, but at least you could have competed to get that wild card spot. And that's that's another difference, right? Like a team like Atlanta doesn't need to, they could spend money in the offseason trade deadline because they have talent already there. And it's, you know, they have enough money set aside where they can do that, right? Like we've seen that they they've done it well. They've been close. This they got it done this year. Finally, they finally got it done, right? Mm-hmm. So like that's that's the thing. It's also very like it depends on the team too. Like how how savvy they are, you know, with with the talent they have. Um, a team like the Dodgers, another team who is just like they're just a prospect, like a prospect machine. They just they just keep you know tuning out these guys who just become fantastic players. Right. And then they can trade these guys and acquire, you know, all-star talent and they don't have to worry about that stuff. Right. And so that they can take bigger risks on contracts. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. Like for example, if AJ AJ Pollock actually had a good year this year, but other than that, they could they can gamble on guys with bad injury histories because if the if the contracts flop, oh well. You know, whereas yeah. teams like the Pirates, they they can't risk that because if they spend a bunch of money on someone like AJ Pollock and then he's always on the injured list, then now they don't have that money they can spend. But to your point, it I'm I'm anti salary cap because different it just gives teams more options of how more options to run the strategy that they want to run, which is just more fun because you have teams like the Rays who have no money, but they are fantastic at analytics and drafting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one but of the best have, to do it. You have the Phillies or the teams like the Phillies. I mean, they have Alec Baum, but guys like that, but uh, mostly go to the – and the Yankees, guys like that, mostly go to the free agent route. And then you have, like, the Dodgers who do a hybrid. They, they, they're excellent at drafting, but they also have money to spend on free agents. And right. it's just – it creates more strategy. It creates more options. I Putting cost restraints – had, d- doesn't change anything. In fact, Major League Baseball has more unique champions in the past 21 years than any other major sport. So you can't use salary cappers as, as the reason for competitiveness. I mean, look at the NFL. The Jets are always bad. This right. year, the Bengals have made it to the Super Bowl since I've been alive. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, yeah it's, it's about efficiency. It's not about the yeah. amount you spend. It's about how you spend it. Yeah, you gotta be gotta be smart. Have to be smart with what you do, right? And and it's all about development too, right? Like, like teams are just not developing players, and you know these there's guys who are like top ten prospects, you know, you know, and who are listed as number one, and they come up and they're just not not that guy, right? And it's a development problem. Like many teams have this development issue. Um, the the Pirates are a good example. They they have traded a lot of a lot of young talent away, which is surprising because they're trading young talent and acquiring younger talent. And I'm not quite sure what what their goal is here, what the end goal is here for the Pirates. But it's just that's a team that's that needs to do something. But it's also another issue where is how are you going to get top level free agents to sign in Pittsburgh, right? Like how are you going to get a guy like you know, like when Manny Machado and Harper were free agents, right? How are you going to get those guys to sign there? You're probably, it was probably never going to happen. If they even saw the Pittsburgh Pirates, they're probably like, no, no, thank you. We're not going to Pittsburgh. Like what future is in Pittsburgh, right? right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like same with, uh, you know, uh, what's another team? Uh, another team that's, that's probably down in the dumps. Let me see. I mean, it's, it's kind of, Orioles, yeah, okay, Baltimore. Honestly, Baltimore had a pretty good – they had a pretty okay season. They they have a lot of good young talent, but that's another one, Baltimore. Like, who's going to go to Baltimore? You're going to get a top free agent to go to Baltimore? Probably not unless he – unless, you know, something comes – something happens where no team is willing to give a player money. He's like, you know what, last second, I got to go to Baltimore, you know? Right. That's just – that's another thing, too. These, these lower markets have to be – there needs to be something. Something needs to to pull them in. I don't know if money could do it. I really don't know, like if it'll get it done. I mean, Max Scherzer just went to the New York Mets. I mean, if money didn't 
make him a New York Met, I don't know what did because personally, I don't know. You couldn't pay me enough to play for the New York Mets. I just that's that had to be strictly money. That had to be strictly money. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, it's kind of funny because the Mets, man, they they put so much money in so few players. I mean, you got Lindor and Max Scherzer taking up so much money. It's gonna and I think Robinson Cano's still on the uh, payroll. So like they've got. I, I ran the numbers earlier in the year and I think it was something like 60% of their payroll was like three players and it's more than most teams in major league baseball. It's absolutely. Yeah. And so, and then as, and these players are getting older, I actually wrote an article. It was kind of funny. It was one as a proud moment. I said, uh, I wrote an article about how the Braves, I mean, the Mets signing Lindor could be a good thing for the Braves because they, they put all that money into one player and what happened? Absolutely. He had one of the worst seasons he's ever had. Yeah. Dude, I've 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 been to many, many Phillies and Mets games last year, and watching Lindor fail, it was just very pleasing. I, I loved him as a Cleveland Indian, but um as a Met, I, I'm never gonna root for the guy. I just right. it's gonna be impossible. I feel Same bad. With, I feel bad. Yeah, he's a really likable guy. Yeah. Yeah. Going to the Mets, I mean, I I have to root against him, you know. Um, I and 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 not necess, not necessarily root against him as a person. Like I I'm happy for him making the money, and uh, and I do think he's good for baseball. But at the same time, like if the Braves are playing the Mets, obviously I don't want him to do well. Outside of playing the Braves, do just fine, buddy. But against the Braves, yeah, yeah, I don't <laughs> do well. Um, yeah, maybe but, individual stats I'm okay with. Uh, right. Anything to help his. And all these Mets uh, in the division, I'm uh, going to have to say no about that. Yes. Have to, be, yeah. here, be as selfish as you want to be, buddy. Be yeah. Those personal stats to, to further your career, just right. at the most inopportune times that don't help your team. Yeah. Uh, but back to the Pirates, I've heard, you know, like, oh, we need to implement a, a salary floor. Well, here's the thing. There's no way that you could do a salary floor that's high enough that would bring in marquee free agents in the first place. Second of all, a team like the pirates, it's not a money issue. It's a front office issue. So unless you have a good front office, it's never going to matter. If you were to raise the salary floor to the pirates, all that's going to happen is the guys that are making the least amount of money are just going to make a little bit more so that they can get It does not mean that they're going to start bringing in the Francisco Lindor contracts or the Corey Seekers. It's not going to happen. It's just the guys that were making $6 million on a one-year deal are now going to make $8 million on a one-year deal. That's yeah, and, and and that's the thing too, right? Like, unless you implement a rule to sign, like you have to sign someone for this amount of money where you have to have this, this your, your budget has to be at this level, right? Like you were saying, like, you know, there's loopholes, there's ways around this. So it's, it's going to be impossible to get any top free agent to sign in that market, especially the way they're going, right? Like, it's just not unless unless something happens where the NL Central just has a complete, you know, 360, right? And the Pirates somehow just come out on top next year, then it's almost not, it's not just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Right. And the Pirates don't draft well. No. And it, and so like, the ultimate way to be successful in Major League Baseball today is to draft well and fill the holes with free agents. If you're not drafting well and you're not signing free agents, you're never going to be successful. You have, at a minimum, you got to do one. 
and the Pirates can't afford to do free agents, so they have to they have to draft well, and they're not doing it. So the salary floor is not going to fix that. It's just not. The today in today's MLB, what wins games for or what gives teams the advantage is drafting well and international bonus pool signings, which bad teams get more international bonus pool money to begin with. Right. So like the Pirates, they have one of the highest international signing pools every single year. So them not signing those players, that's on the front office. Yeah, absolutely. And if you even if you take a look at the the Pirates draft history since like 2000, right? They've really had two they've hit on two guys, like two all-star ta- all-star like once in a lifetime players, right? And that's probably Andrew McCutcheon and Garen Cole. That's it. Like you can name a few other guys like a few like lower lower tier guys, but that's just, that's just been their two really key players. And since since two thousand like since the two thousands, right? right? Since then, it's not there hasn't been. Maybe you can say Cole Tucker has a chance. Maybe Reese McGuire, Austin Austin Meadows, maybe. But you know, Jameson Town, he he's not even a pirate anymore. He's on the Yankees and right. have such a. You know, it's it's a problem throughout the whole league, right? And and it's even we even see this with the Angels, right? Like. Like they have the best, they have probably the two best players in baseball, and they're struggling. They struggle to even make the play. Like they can't, they can't get anybody to sign. Like they, okay, they signed Rendon, right? They got Anthony Rendon, but they, you can't. Like they, they need more. They need more, and I feel like they have a hard time doing that for some reason. They just do. Like I don't know if I'm a, if I'm an All Star caliber player. I don't know if I want to go to the Angels and play with Mike Trout. They're not really doing so well. They have no pitching. They lack that. You know, for me, the other side of LA looks a lot better. If you ask, you know, if you're if you're a top free agent, it's like there's so many things that that need to be done to help these teams get over that hump. But it's just it's really tough. Also, I do need to correct myself. I got it backwards. Austin Meadows was drafted by the Pirates. Okay, <laughs> no, he. I, I think so, uh, I believe he was traded. He might have been traded to the Rays. I'm not sure if he's still yeah, on Tampa. He got okay. traded to the Rays in the Chris Archer deal. Chris Archer, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got that backwards in my head. I mean, there was a time. Yeah. Well, I mean, and look at it. They traded. They they finally got a decent talent, Austin Meadows, and then they trade him for uh, for Chris Archer, who came back came to the Pirates and then had one of the worst years of his career. Yeah. Note to every team in Major League Baseball. If the Rays are offering you a player, do not take them. Yeah, yeah. Phillies, Phillies learned that the hard way. They they traded for uh, Alvarado, and and it was, it there was a clear clear reason why the Rays got rid of them. It was right. well, it was clear as day. There's something about the Rays front office. They bring the best out of players, so like they bring the best out of what they get. So yeah. that means if the Rays are getting rid of them, it's almost guaranteed that they're going to have a decline. Because they're not going to have the best part out of them. I mean, you can say anything, but Blake Snell is a is a recent one that got traded by. Yeah, you know, yeah, Blake Snell. That was that was a huge a huge trade, right? Every I couldn't believe they traded Blake Snell. They just they just played in the World Series. Like I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And then he he goes to San Diego, and it's just like, who's Blake Snell? Like he's it's absolutely no one. And it's like they have um oh, who was their ace this year? Um, oh man, I'm drawing a blank. For the Tampa Bay Rays, oh, who was Glassnow? it? Glass right? They they got, I think they got Glassnow from Pittsburgh. I'm pretty sure, or I'm, maybe I'm, I'm really certain. Yeah. Wait, did they? I can't remember. Anyway, you know who I always get mixed up? 
Jameson Talon and Tyler Glasnow. I don't know yeah. why I always get those two mixed up because they came he, around the same era. I think Glasnow, I'm pretty sure he was drafted by, by Pittsburgh, but like that's just, it's crazy to think about that. Like he goes to San Diego and it's pretty much like you think, you think now the Padres have a nice bolt, like they have a great rotation on paper and it's like the Rays knew what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing. Yep. Yeah, Glassall was drafted. He was drafted by Pittsburgh. In, uh, so was Jameson Talon in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. You look at all that talent that the Pirates get and then just get rid of. Yeah. They, uh, well, that's another thing, right? Like, who's to say that Pittsburgh was going to, who who knew if Todd Glassall would, would be this, the guy he is today if yeah. he was still in, in Pittsburgh? Same that's like true. Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, we all saw what he was potentially going to be. And then he, you know, he, uh, he, he, what, he got dealt to Houston, right? Right. And, you know, did what he did in Houston and uh, he got paid to be a Yankee and, you know, and the rest is history. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. Pittsburgh has a lot of guys who are great. They drafted their really great players that are not on their team right now. Yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of funny. We went down like this huge rabbit hole at Pittsburgh, but I love it. Speaking of which, though, I mean, we're on the subject of, of teams getting free agents and stuff. And, and we've had time to think about it with this lock lockout. Who are some, uh, do you have like a, of the top remaining free agents, do you have any surprise signings or anything that you think is probably will blow some people's minds? Like uh, thus far, or do you think like you want to. Of the, like, remain, of the remaining free agents. Oh, like who's still out there. He, um, hmm. I don't know if I have any surprise signings. I think I'm shocked that there's still a few guys left on the board. I guess that's because there's probably a few guys waiting to see if the DH comes to the national league. Yes. Um, which, you know, makes, makes sense. I guess I gotta, I gotta say, I'm shocked to see Carlos Correa still, still dangling out there. I would expect, I was expecting him to be, you know, one of the, you know, as soon as bias gets signed, Seager got signed. Um, Marcus Semien got signed. I was expecting to see Carlos Craig get signed and I'm surprised he's not. And I'm, I'm sort of, I'm sort of sitting here thinking that there's only one team. There's only one team out there who needs Carlos Correa more than anybody. And that's probably the Houston Astros. So at this point, I mean, I'm shocked that he wasn't signed, but I'll be shocked if he doesn't go back to Houston. I'll say that. Right. And so speaking of which I got absolutely shredded on a article I wrote about the Braves potentially signing a free agent shortstop this year rather than waiting next year because, and this is the reason why, the supply of shortstops this year, of top-tier shortstops, is the best it's been in recent history, which means that there's more star shortstops available than teams that can afford them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there's a lot of teams who need shortstops right now, and this this was the a good year to 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 pick up a shortstop. Like there there was a plenty of them, you know. So like now that now that Seager's gone, uh, you could argue Simeon was a shortstop, but that you know he got signed to be a second baseman again. I mean, yeah. you got all those top tier short uh, Baez. He got signed. I mean, you've already got three of the best players we've had in years at shortstop position signed, and we still have two top tier left. 
but we're running out of teams that can afford them. So that yeah. what made me think of that as you're talking about being surprised that Correa is still left. And I agree because if I was Correa, if I see all these guys getting signed, you're losing more and more suitors. And what we've seen in the past is as suitors go away, your dollars go away. Yeah. At first I could see Correa. I, there was like rumors that he would go to Detroit because his former manager, you know, is on Detroit, obviously. The only other team that needs a shortstop more than Houston Astros is the New York Yankees, right? They they really need a shortstop. They desperately need a short. Like they they don't have the guys they have right now are just not getting it done. But there's controversy with Correa and the Yankees fans, right? Because the whole thing with that he said with Derek Jeter, right? But he wasn't. But other than, yeah, yeah, and other than that, it's Trevor's him and Trevor Story, right? Are the only two remaining of the big ones, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, of the big ones. So, uh, like I said, I'll be, I'm gonna be shocked. I, I don't know if I see, like he's gonna want a lot of money, right? Do you, I don't know if I see a team just sweeping him up, like, like, just offering him a, a ton of money, right? I just can't, I just can't picture it. I just can't see anybody else other than Houston doing this. Right. If I'm Carlos Correa, I'm signing the next big offer that comes to me. Because if the Yankees sign Trevor Story, he's done. He's just gonna yeah. he's gonna have to take what the Astros are gonna offer him. Yeah, he's gonna take a he's gonna take a hometown discount, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, know. they. If I were the Yankees, I'm going after Story. I'm not going after Correa. The Astros were just in the World Series, right? If you're Correa, that window is still that window is still open. The a the AL is wide open. It's as wide open as it's ever been, especially for the Astros. So if you're if you're Correa, you definitely want to you you want to capitalize on what you can do with Houston as much as possible. Like right now, they they're still the team to beat in the American League right as of right now. Still the team to beat. Because they didn't even have Justin Verlander last year. Yeah, no Verlander. They um they had a lot of a lot of guys went down. Their pitching staff's going to need work. They don't they don't have the same pitching staff they did when, you know, they so-called cheated, but that team's been to the World Series several times in the past few years. There's that opportunity is still there. They still got plenty of talent. And I mean, to make to make it back to the World Series two more times after being, you know, after you know, winning one, then you go, you you go again, you lose to the Nationals, then you lose to the Braves. Like that's tough to do. Like the window of opportunity is still there. Still there. I, I don't I don't see if I'm him, I'm taking any any deal they throw at me just because I know for sure that if it's not the Rays, it's got to be Houston in the AL right now. It's just just has to be. Right. So I think if I were the Astros, to be honest with you, just because Correa is going to be asking so much money, if I'm the Astros, and since I know I need work on the starting rotation, I probably would go after Trevor Story because Story is projected to make like $200 million guaranteed less and Carlos Correa. That's a lot of freaking money. Yeah. And uh, and Correa is injury prone. When he's when he's healthy, he is as good as they come. He is one of the one of, if not the best defensive shortstop in the league, and arguably the best offensive one when healthy. And Trevor's story is not far behind him, but due to his age, is going to be way cheaper. And so if it was me, I'd go, I'd go hard after Trevor's story try to be the first one to get him and use the rest of the money to fill out my rotation because 
you know, uh, I mean, Zach Grinke had a down year last year, but there's still a few guys like Carlos Rodon that they could take a chance on, or maybe if they bring over Yusei uh, Kikuchi from that play for Seattle, he's, he's got some promise. That'd be pretty cheap. I, I just, if, if Korea, if they offer Korea a deal, Korea better take it. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think Houston's main focus probably should be starting pitching. Um, they, they acquired, they signed Hector Neris, uh, relief pitcher, which is pretty, they got him on a pretty good deal. Um, I think he'll probably do very well. They re-signed Verlander. I think they definitely need to focus on the pitching aspect um, and kind of waited. I mean, who knows? They could, they could literally not, they don't even have to go after story. They could kind of wait it out and wait and see. And one of them could literally just fall into to their laps, literally just, just be sitting there come spring training, you know? Yes, because every day that goes by at this point, I believe they can get a better and better deal because yeah. of the supply yeah. versus demand aspect of it. It's kind of like with the break. I mean, I hate to bring up this name because so much as I mean, his name is tarnished now and it's going to end up being a bad deal. But with Marcelo Zuna, he kept waiting so long for the Braves that they were able to get him at like $20 million cheaper than what was projected because they kept losing all these suitors or he kept losing all these suitors. So the only team, the team that he played for offered him a home down discount and he had to take it. And that could happen to Carlos Correa. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. He, they, I was shocked when Atlanta signed him. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a big move. But I mean, it turns out they didn't even, they didn't even need him. <laughs> they, 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 they had no use for him this year. It's okay. It yeah. all worked out. So here's one out of left field. I say no pun intended, but it kind of is pun intended. Uh, who do you see? And this is totally off the cuff here, but who do you see Chris Bryant signing with? Cause he did have actually have an excellent year last year. Oof. That's a, that's a good question. I was, uh, there's a lot of rumors. Uh, I mean, on a, on the Philly side of things, a lot of Phillies fans wanted Chris Bryant. I don't want Chris Bryant to play outfield. I think, I think Bryant needs to play third base. Um, I don't think he can play the outfield every day. He's definitely not an everyday outfielder. I mean, I guess he can play left field every day, but he's a third baseman. He was brought up by the Cubs to play third base. He should be playing third base. I don't really know where he fits in. I, If you ask me, I mean, San Francisco, he, he worked out well in San Francisco. They knew what they were doing with him. I think he would be a great fit to go back to San Francisco. Um, but if he doesn't go to San Francisco, I, I really don't know where he goes. It's going to have to, once again, it's going to have to be, it's going to really depend on if the National League gets DH because that's another guy who can benefit from that DH role. If, you know, the National League brings in a DH, Chris Bryant, you can have him third base, left field, center field, right field, DH, whatever you need him to do. But I, I like the Giants. I think that he's a good fit for the Giants. They knew they knew how to use him. They did very well with him. So I I would like to see Chris Bryant sign back with San Fran. That's a good pick. I actually wasn't even thinking about him going back, but I like your argument on that. Because like you said, Chris Bryant has, has never been excellent on defense at third base or outfield. But you, the position of third base is more valuable than left field. 
So if we can be at least league average at third base, you know, the value of a player is not just his bat. It's his overall game. Yeah. So you're going to be doing yourself a disjustice if you're signing Chris Bryant to be a primary outfielder, like you said. So I agree that while it would be a luxury to have Chris Bryant in a Phillies uniform, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now the Mets desperately need a third baseman, but the amount of money that they've thrown at Max Scherzer and other guys, part of me hopes that they sign Chris Bryant. Will they do that? I mean, because if they sign Chris Bryant to play third base, they're, the Mets are going to be absolutely terrible in four years. They, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're going to shoot themselves in a the foot. I mean, they already did with signing Max Scherzer, so it's okay. Right. And fortunately for the Braves, they have actually done really decent against Max Scherzer in his career. So, I mean, by all means, bring on Max Scherzer. I love Max Scherzer. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I love what he brings to the game. But, uh, yeah, I'm not worried. I'm not super worried about it. Yeah, when when a team like the Dodgers, don't, they don't they're not pushing to re-sign you, especially the Dodgers who are the Dodgers who are like very analytics, they're very high high on analytics too. They they kind of do their homework. That kind of that should tell you like tell you something, right? It should tell you something about the player, right? Yes, if the Dodgers or the Rays do not want you back, do not pursue those guys. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Clayton Kershaw, if you're listening. It's not, it's not, it's looking bad. Yeah. Clayton Kershaw, take what the Dodgers will give you. Yeah. Same with Kelly Jansen too. It's another, another Dodger out there on the market. Yeah. I please, please do not sign him Braves. Please do not sign him. Yeah. It's a, he's, he'll probably, he's definitely not a closer, not a closer these days. He's, he's going to get a cheap deal somewhere. Yeah. He he needs a prove me deal. Yeah, yeah. Like a, like a pillow contract. Yeah. How about uh how about your your good old Freddie Freeman? What's the what are we gonna do with that? So there's two parts to this answer. There's the what does the heart want and what does the brain want? Okay. So the heart wants Freddie Freeman to come back for obvious reasons. He was he was the heart of the team when they were doing the rebuild. He was a key piece of the team this year, especially with Ronald Acuna being hurt. And I would want nothing more than him to continue to be on the team and to help them continue to win. However, the if you're looking from a pure statistical standpoint, it makes more sense. You The team would ultimately have, from a statistical standpoint, would get more wins per dollar spent if they would go after a guy like Matt Olson and yeah. trade for him and then use the money elsewhere to fill the holes. Is Matt Olson as good as Freddie Freeman? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying most efficient money-wise would be to bring in Matt Olson uh, in a trade with prospects that you don't spend money on, just cover Matt Olson's contract, which would be significantly lower, and use that money to fill more fill more holes. Uh, that's really how you are successful as a team. Like I said, is, is efficiency of the dollar, not necessarily – the overall talent by one position it's the it's the talent spread out across the entire team it, i mean as we as we've seen with uh the angels they've had two of the best players we've ever seen in the past 5 years and they have zero playoff wins that's true um, yeah so it's a, it's a it's a team sport you you cannot put all of your eggs in one basket as cliche as that is 
Yeah, he's he's already won an MVP and he just got his World Series. You know, I I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't if the Braves didn't bring him back. I mean, it it would be smart financially smart. They could they they showed last year, right? They didn't they didn't even need, you know, their best player, you know, to win the World Series. They did it in other ways. They went out and acquired guys and still did it. So I think your, to your point, that's that's a good you know that's a good point. If he doesn't come back, it's probably not going to hurt the team. They could probably find the better ways to use the money, and still manage to win a division and make the playoffs as easy as that it's ever been. Yeah, it, and and so there's ways to look at it. It's like okay, so the Braves already have their World Series. So do we want to continue to win World Series, or is it? now we've got our world series. Do we want to stick with the players that we enjoy watching? Very rarely do those two things go hand in hand. Yeah. And so what really as a fan, that's how you got to see it. Do you want to keep the band together and just see what happens? Or do you want to give your team the best chance of winning a world series? Me for one, I'm on the try to win a world series train but I would be extremely sad to see Freddie go. But I've been saying since the start of the after, well, even before the world series ended, like when he, they, he didn't get an extension, everyone, like I would say probably 80 to 90% of Braves fans say, Oh, it's guaranteed. Freddie's coming back. And I've been saying this whole time there, it is not definitely not a 100% chance. You cannot say that there's been so like name another, the last player to stick with the same team, their entire career was Chipper Jones, and that and he retired six years ago. You name another player in Major League Baseball. You can count on one hand the players in Major League Baseball that have stuck with the same team their entire career. Clayton Kershaw of active players right now. That's I mean, there's a few, but Clayton Kershaw's one that's been in the league for a long time. Uh, other than that, there's not. I can't even think of one. Yeah, Clayton. Kershaw's the only one, and he and he's most likely not going to be a Dodger um, anymore. Uh, it doesn't look like it, unless for some for some odd reason he gets you know the Dodgers get him on a cheap deal. But I, yeah, I mean, I don't think if Freddie doesn't re-sign the Braves, I don't necessarily think their window of opportunity is gone because they have so much talent, like just as is. I don't. I don't think losing – I mean, losing Freddie is definitely going to hurt your lineup, but it's it's not going to hurt them in a way where, you know, they're going to be – they're going to drop from the number one team in the NL East to the to the worst team. Definitely not. I think they'll still, still be the best team in the NL East regardless if they have Freddie Freeman or not. They can always fill that hole. And you don't have to fill it with one player. You could fill it with two players, maybe three players, to make up what Freddie Freeman did. And it's it it's you know, as a Phillies fan, it, it's not gonna it won't bother me if he returned to the Braves. I've watched him my whole life, but I would be shocked. I would be shocked to see him in a different uniform. I'll have to say that if he if he did end up signing anywhere else, it would be very strange. Yeah, and I would be shocked. Uh, the one thing that is that sticks out to me and 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 it makes me think is historically speaking and especially the past five years or so, 
is first base is the easiest position in baseball to fill because it's uh, statistically speaking, it's the easiest defensively to play. So it's not when you look at the replacement, you only have to look at offense. You don't have to look for a guy that can play that is decent at offense, but also can play good defense. Like you can pretty much grab anyone at the major league. Like if you're in high school, if you can't just grab your right fielder and say, Hey, play first base. But once you got MLB talent players, most of them can handle first base. And there's, you can always get like a, you could, there's always guys like a CJ Cron or something like a stopgap that would cost like $4 million to cover first base. And you could move, you know, that money somewhere else and fill tons of holes. So it's, he's, he's in this weird situation where he is an elite first baseman, but the, the, the spread between him and the next level, the price is such a massive difference that it's not, like his lever, he does not have a huge amount of leverage, even though it may seem like it. He truly does not have as much leverage as probably his agent and fans like to think he has, it, which is not a good sign. But all I'm what I'm getting at is it's not the end of the world if Freddie leaves. We all want him back, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah. I- I agree with you. Yeah, it's same thing happened. Like I remember when uh, Jason Worth moved, he signed with the Washington Nationals. Everybody thought it was the end of the world. And he was a big piece of, you know, the Phillies when they were winning divisions. And it kind of like, it kind of did hurt the team. They were pretty decent afterwards, but like that feeling of losing a player like that, you know, oftentimes it's really it really relies on the front office to kind of fill that void and how well they kind of fill that void. And I think I don't think the Braves will have a hard time doing that. I really don't. They've done so well as is. So like, you know, if he goes, he goes. But to where? Who knows? Like, who knows where he'll go if he does go anywhere? You know, if he does sign with another team, like I don't even I can't even think of any other teams right now that he would sign. Would have to be like. It has to be a team that is like, like clawing to win now. Like, like someone like the Dodgers, like a team that needs to win now. You know. Yes, typically, I mean, you had guys like Miguel Cabrera back in the day and Pujols, um, but nowadays, if you're paying big money for a first baseman, it's because you're in win now mode. Freddie Freeman is not going to go to some rebuilding team or some, you know, fighting to make the playoffs team. He's he would be going to a team that. He is the piece that puts them over the edge. And, but, and if the Dodgers can afford him, I can't imagine what an infield that would look like. If you take Freddie Freeman and put him at first base and move freaking Max Muncy over to second base, holy cow, that would be an insane infield. Because I don't know if you've looked at the numbers, but Max Muncy actually had a better year than Freddie Freeman did last year. And he was the best defensive first baseman in all of Major League Baseball by quite a bit. That's because he's a converted shortstop. When he was younger, he played shortstop. They moved him to second base. He's played second base, third base. But they've got a guy that's like a top-tier second baseman playing first base. So they can shift him to second base. Freddie Freeman at first, oh, man, that would be the absolute worst scenario for the Braves if that happened. Yeah, I mean, 
any team in the a and the nl west is uh is pretty is pretty screwed if that happens i mean dodgers are already already have a they're already a juggernaut so if uh if freddie would land there it's uh that would just really really make them even better i mean well who knows we, we got to see what happens i we i mean who even knows if the season's going to start in time we we got there's so many guys left out in the market i'm assuming one if and when they get the deal done guys are just going to fly off the board they're just going to be signing deals left and right it's just right. going to be like a frenzy and i know that they're not allowed to talk but somebody's talking to somebody. Oh, they're they're talking for sure. They have to be talking. There's no way. Like imagine, imagine being a player and you can't you can't hit at a facility, right? And they're like, oh, well, you can't work with your hitting coach. I personally, I would be going to my own facility, bringing the hitting coach along with me. Like, who's gonna find out? Who's gonna know? Like that I'm that I'm doing this, right? Like, come on. Yeah. Uh, so there's they they're finding a way. They they've yeah. got. It. Oh yeah, there's always a way. All right, man. Well, we've definitely hit the hour mark. And oh yeah, oh yeah. I appreciate this time. I uh, I definitely want to do this again. It's an absolute blast, and uh, I know that the listeners are going to enjoy your insight, especially considering you know Braves and Phillies kind of being rivals. I don't really look at them as rivals, but a lot of fans do. But I do want to end with asking you a question about Bryce Harper. I personally, yeah, yeah. I personally think that I, I actually am a huge fan of Bryce Harper. So, um, but a lot of Braves fans say that he's overrated. I just want to hear from a Phillies perspective, how do you feel about that? And what's your thoughts on him? All I have to say is he's uh he's a 2021 MVP. It's a, that's all I have to say. No, but I, I had the same perspective when he was on when he was a national, right? Like he was this overrated, like cocky guy. But I mean, now that he's on the Phillies, like when when Harper and Machado were and the or free agents, right? The Phillies were desperately trying to get Manny Machado. I remember they interviewed Machado and they weren't even thinking about Bryce Harper. They they brought Machado in, didn't even give Harper the time of day, and the fans were just like the fans just kept saying they wanted Harper, right? Like the owner actually listened to what the fans wanted. And I never wanted a player. So like, I never wanted a player to sign here more than I wanted Bryce Harper just because he was like, I knew what we were getting, right? Like he is very talented. He works super hard, right? Like I work at the stadium. I often get to see the players like at, 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 you know, at BP, I get to watch them. Like the dude is an absolute animal, right? Like Atlanta, the Braves have seen it firsthand. There's been several games last year where he just was just absolutely hitting bombs, right? In that beautiful stadium. Like the guy is an animal. I once thought he was overrated, but I do not think he's overrated. He's probably the hardest working player on the Phillies. And I think he would benefit if any team had him, they would benefit. Like he would right. make any team better. Absolutely. Like it it doesn't matter where you put him in the lineup. He would just make it and he doesn't even have to be hitting hitting home runs. Like everyone thinks that he he's like he has to hit home runs. Like, oh, he only has this many home runs. But it, it, that's not what it's about. He when guys are on base, right? Like there's there was a point in time last year where guys were on base and Harper wasn't driving anyone in. But when he came up to the plate, he was just constantly homering, right? He was homering with with people not on base. Well, 
that's not Harper's fault. If someone can't get on base, it's not his fault. But exactly the right. guy's just a the guy's just a straight beast. And he was winning, he was single-handedly winning Philly's games by himself, like just doing right. the absolute most. And the the Nationals won a World Series without Harper. I get that. But the fact that they could never win one with him, like I don't understand how they, they never did, but the guy is an absolute animal. I feel like he would benefit, any team would benefit from him. I understand the overrated stuff, but he is he's really he is really, really, really one of the best players in baseball. I really do believe that. Oh, no doubt about it. And I I hate that argument of the well, the nationals won without him. He's one player of 26. Yeah. He's yeah. one twenty-sixth of the roster. It was not because of him. Also, the another argument that I that a lot of Braves fans have said that I hate absolutely hated when they when they it was the MVP debate because they were debating Austin Riley should be MVP. Austin Riley, yeah. Here's the thing: he shouldn't have been MVP. Should he have got MVP votes? Yes, he should get down by. He would have if I would have voted MVP. Austin Riley would have been fourth, not first, not even close. He would have been right. And I and I would have put Bryce Harper higher. But either way, the argument that they put a lot of fans said was. Well, did you see that last series against the Braves? Well, first of all, they said the last series against the Braves where it meant the most. First of all, that's only four games out of 162. Second of all, they wouldn't have even been in that position. That series would have not even mattered if it wasn't for Bryce Harper. So your argument actually means the opposite of what you're trying to say. Because of Harper, that series actually meant something. Yeah. I, it's absolute terrible argument, and I, I'm on the same boat as you. I, I don't, I don't want to say that just because he's the hardest worker that means he's not overrated. But his hard work has translated to uh, results on the field, and he is absolutely not overrated. And people that use things like, "Oh, well, look at his RBIs," like you said, he can't control that. The right, only, and the only thing that is weak in his game is when there is not that I've done some research on is when there's players on base, the pitchers do pitch to him a little bit differently and he struggles a little bit, but not enough for it to, not enough to sway me to say that it make really makes a difference. Yeah. That, that was, that was a big, big discussion, you know, with players on base, he was pitched differently. Often he might be walked. Often he just is not, getting the job done i mean i I get that the guy you can't like harper gets scrutinized for so much right i don't get to see mike trout play but i'm sure if if i was able to see trout play consistently every day i'd probably i would probably be complaining about certain things like little things here and there oh this guy strikes out oh he's he's not he's not doing this he's not doing that but but it doesn't happen right we like we don't see that we don't i don't i never get to see mike trout play i don't I've never watched him play live because I can't stay up that late to watch him play. <laughs> but like, you know, everybody sees like the, the last three years that Harper's been here, there hasn't been a player that's, there hasn't been anyone better than Bryce Harper. He has been the Phillies best player. And that's, that's sad to say because they, they really need some talent, but he has been their best player since he's came here, since he's arrived, he's been the best player. Now you can make the case that Zach Wheeler Right is is getting there too because he he's 
what blows my mind is he's getting better and better each year, Zach Wheeler. Like it's crazy that the Mets let him go. Like him, him and DeGrom would have some great pitching, pitching battles. But like, like I said, Harper, what Harper's done thus far for the Phillies is has been what what they exactly what they wanted. He's won an MVP. I think the money was well worth it. The only thing he's missing now is obviously getting to the playoffs and you know, who knows if they win a world series, they win, a, they win one. If not, they don't, not a big deal, but the MVP is a big deal. Him winning this year, him winning the MVP this year is a big deal because it should, it should shut a lot of people up. It, it has to, because you know, enough is enough. He's won two now. He's won two MVPs, you know, two different teams. A lot of guys can't do that. And he's still young. Yeah. A lot of guys can't even win one MVP let alone two. So it's, it's tough to do. And to be honest with you, I would have voted for Zach Wheeler for uh, Cy Young. So you, I mean, the Phillies had the MVP and should have been the Cy Young. So they do have, they do have some building blocks and it is kind of scary, but I just hope that they keep spending a bunch of money so that they can yeah. <laughs> yes. back during that Phillies run where the Phillies won a bunch of uh, divisions in a row. And then they had a bunch of <laughs> tied up. That was fantastic when the money caught up. So I hope that happens again. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just, just, just spend it all. Who cares? Yeah. All right, man. Well, this was fun and um, I'm looking forward to doing it again. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Oh, thank you.